Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and today's guest is the fascinating Frank Kennedy. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Frank's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest. It's Frank. Welcome, Frank. Hello. Good to see you. Yeah, great to be here with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Me too. Should be should be fun. We've actually already just had a lovely chat before we even started recording. <laughs> Oh, you hadn't recorded? Oh, no, I have to think of something to say now. <laughs> uh, so uh, this, as always, is going to start about improv. We're going to chat about improv, and then we'll just see whatever else comes up, because I'm just super excited to get to know you better. Uh, so we will begin by finding out, how did you get involved in improv comedy? Uh, I've always been into acting. I think I had one of the biggest voices in primary school and, and got picked to be in concerts and things, and it went on from there. Um, and I'd done, and I've, for a long time, I, I've been a kind of member and committee member and organiser and general factotum with the company called Liverpool Network Theatre Group, which has a long and interesting history. Okay. Um, and... A lot of uh, the distinctive thing I would say uh, about our theatre group compared with any other group that I know, and then there are many of non-professional acting groups, is that we have a, a workshop, at least in Liverpool I'm talking about, right. uh, we have a, a weekly workshop which, unless it's Christmas Day or New Year's Day, I, I think carries on regardless <laughs> on, on a Tuesday evening which is led by generally someone different each week and right. people with a mixture of experience and sometimes it's people just trying things out. But there's a lot of improvisation in it. Right. Also a lot of devising. And I'm always more interested in the improvisation when we put on the spot. We're a very friendly theatre group. We do reasonably good standard plays. I, I like to think uh, yeah. there's a good standard of acting and we've done some you know, solid plays, including Shakespeare outdoors and most summers. Wow. Um, but I I like the idea of being challenged. Uh, I, I knew Emma anyway, Emma Bird, yeah. slightly, and uh, I, I knew that some of our members attended her sessions, right. and it was something that I thought, I will find time for this at some point, uh, because the, the whose line is it anyway yeah. type comedy <laughs> always appeared appealed to me and I once actually got to see it in its spiritual home in Vancouver. Oh wow. I'm jealous of that. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so much to talk about that. Uh, first of all, so you said you already knew Emma Bird a little bit. How did you know Emma? <laughs> um Emma's interesting I think Emma Emma has uh, a mother, a father and a sister and I think she's the only person or they've are the only people I know all of whom I met independently of each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> they kind of put together a family because uh, possibly it was a dad I met first who was a union organiser. Right. Mum's in, in the choir that I sing with. Ah. Uh, it's, a, it's a political choir. Um, Emma, I came across somehow through uh, the acting scene, as I say, and I don't think I know her sister very well, but... Uh, but I think she used to work for the co-op and I was a member. Ah, awesome. So something else that you said there, which really piqued my interest, was that you've seen Who's Line. Now, can I ask who was performing on the shows that you watched? Um, I'm not going to. I'm sorry. I'm not going to remember <laughs> any names. I mean, I remember it from the old days on, on television, however many decades ago it was, with people like... Um, Greg Proops and, and yeah. Clive Anderson presenting and jo was it Josie Lawrence. Josie Lawrence, yeah. Uh, and I just thought that this is superb. Um, the show I went to in Vancouver, I knew, I knew 
I knew it had um, come about. I think there's a guy I should credit called Dan Vecchio, who was a teacher in British Columbia. Many years ago, I, I took part in what was then called the Commonwealth League for the Exchange no, sorry, League for the Exchange of Commonwealth Teachers, because okay. I was a primary teacher in London and had the opportunity to exchange home and job, literally, wow. with a teacher from a town that's at mile 50 of the Alaska Highway in Canada. Wow. <laughs> and um, it was brilliant. And one of the other teachers I met was this guy, Dan, and he was into theatre sports. Right. And was uh, certainly the leading light uh, in performing in that small town. And I, he directed me in a play, but he, he also introduced me to this. And I still got, I think, a handwritten list of games that he gave me. Wow. Theatre sports, which I come back to time after time over the years for working with kids when I, I used to and maybe get a chance to do again now. Uh, and informal groups and uh, used sometimes in workshops for network theatre or things that spun off from them. Yeah. So kind of all, always done improv through that. And that that made the connection in my mind. And I realised that Vancouver was a, a centre, if yeah. not the original centre of uh, theatre sports, which led into whose line is it anyway? And so it was actually a competitive theatre sports match that we watched they have a ah. league uh, i don't think they they i think they do it far more for the entertainment than for the competition so there's a particular <laughs> theater it's yeah. associated with which i've also forgotten the name of but uh, i can sort of picture in my mind in, in downtown vancouver um and all i remember was chatting to somebody afterwards one of the participants was from birmingham oh wow. so it was a british representation and talking to him about where I might get to see it in, in the UK, which sadly I, I never have, although there was one theatre in London that uh, specialised in it for a while. Ah, all right, cool. It was under Charing Cross Bridge or Embankment Bridge. So with that exchange, how long was the exchange for? How long did you stay out there? A year, precisely. It was, it was one, one school year and actually one calendar year. I think it was a year and a day. I was a resident of Canada. So did you swapped houses and things. Did you just literally swap jobs? You just did his job for a year and you did yours for a year? Yep. Um, she, I, I, I applied to this scheme and thinking it might be a good experience for me to go to a, a really poor country if I could survive the heat. It <laughs> might have been, you know, those, or, you know. And, um, so I'd applied for, I think, Sierra Leone and... Right. Trinidad, which were Commonwealth countries on the list, yeah. but in fact there were a lot more placements in Australia and Canada yeah. and New Zealand. And uh, I didn't hear anything for a while after being accepted at, in principle at the interview. And then I got a, a long distance phone call, which was a thing back in the <laughs> 1980s, uh, from this place called Fort St. John on the Alaska Highway from a woman called Kathy. And uh, long story short, because she wasn't meant to phone me directly. She was breaking the rules, which okay. was just a, an immediate insight into her character. <laughs> uh, and to some extent, Canadian national character, perhaps. Um, and she just went for it and had a chat with me. And, and I, anyway, the whole thing turned around. And instead of being um, possibly the best paid teacher uh, in, a, in a very hot country, <laughs> I became probably the, the lowest paid teacher in a, in a, in a very comfortable but... Uh, in winter, extremely cold country. <laughs> but what an incredible experience to have. It, it was. It was It was really interesting. Uh, I can tell you, Canadian teachers work very hard, uh, but uh, so do British teachers. But I think that's been a model that's been forced more and more right. since my early days of being a primary teacher in this country. <laughs> but we did work hard, but it was... It, it was less formalised and it seemed to be more formalised there. Um, but there are opportunities to have organised fun too and theatre sports was one of the best of them. Awesome. And what was the age of the children you were teaching while you were there? 
quite similar to the kids I, I used to teach in, in, in London at the time, which was uh, eight, nine, 10, 11. Okay. I think the, I think I had a class of nine, 10 year olds, but the school years are slightly different in right. Canada in that they take your age from um, the 1st of January. Ah. So if you were born in the same calendar year, you'd be all in the same class. Whereas here, it's it's a year that starts on the 1st of September. Yeah. I guess the January thing makes more sense, really, doesn't it? Yeah. So but... it was grade five, but it doesn't quite exactly compare with year five here. <laughs> so you were teaching when you were younger. Was that what you ultimately wanted to do with your life at the time? Yeah, I, truth was, couldn't make my mind up. I was interested in so many different things, including uh, drama and sports and um, I uh, writing. And I'm, I had an English degree, then I did PGCE, and I thought, if I do primary subjects, I can do a bit of everything. Yeah. And I, I thought I'd be good with kids because I was the older brother to uh, quite a lot of kids. Ah. And uh, um, I think it's partly true. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone else in that field, you know, there's things I'm good at, things other people are better at. So did you stay teaching primary or did things change? I've basically reinvented myself every decade, I think, work-wise, paid work-wise. Um, um, for give or take a decade, I've been a primary school teacher, uh, an activist in two different jobs. Um, wow a language teacher i taught english mostly to adults uh speakers of other languages at the now sadly defunct liverpool school of english and now i'm back in primary schools as what's called an academic mentor ah cool so it's got to come full circle yeah <laughs> and you said the the theater group that you're in has got a, a long and interesting history can you give us a bit of of the interesting side of things, what what makes it such an interesting school? Well, when I joined uh, around about two thousand, um, I slightly knew the its general organizer was a man called Graham Froude, who's a bit of a theatre legend in Liverpool. Right. Who, with his wife, who sadly had died before I got to know him, uh, Graham and Joan Froude were leading lights in in the foundation of the well-known unity theater in liverpool okay uh, the unity theater is now known as as a place it's a, it's a converted chapel i think on uh just off hope street um which does a lot of or has done a lot of dance a lot of fringe theater a lot of festivals a lot of community theater and and professional productions and shows um small theater with, with two stages and but it before that it was the name of a company right uh and the company changed its name to network theater uh -huh. so the network which is which is you know we are part of the continuation of uh originally i think it had been known as the merseyside left theater and it had formed as a kind of political and educational group in the 1930s and the fascinating thing was uh, Graham Froude, who I got to work with from around about 99, 2000, had been a founder member in the 1930s. Oh, wow. He'd moved, and coincidentally, he'd moved up to Liverpool from uh, Stoke area where I grew up right? Uh, as well. So he must have moved as a very young man, and he'd been a teacher and had kept this theatre group going, or been part of it for all those decades. and. I acted with him in his last performance. We did a Midsummer Night's Dream in the hot summer of 2003. Right. Uh, at various venues. And uh, Graham was aged 83 and played Aegeus, word perfect. <sighs> Two months later, he had a stroke and then another and sadly oh, passed away. That's sad. Um, just with, with the the various plays and things you've done over the years what character has been the most fun character to play the most fun i would say was bottom in that very production okay i've been in midsummer night's dream three times 
in my life. Well, directed it once and ended up playing a small part as well. Hmm. Um, and bottom, I, I, I just really had a hankering for playing that part ever since I was a student. <laughs> and, I got, and I got to play it and the director said, I had a Brompton bike, you know, the, the folding bikes. Yes. And uh, the director said, yeah, use that, use that. <laughs> it just... It, it was hilarious. It was just somebody said, yeah, you weren't acting, you were just being bottom. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. So is that one of those great situations where you go into something as an actor, you in your head have a very clear mind of how you're going to play this character and the director and everyone else around you just fully accept, yeah, that's exactly how that character needs to be played for this production. I don't really need to give any direction. Um. The director did have some views as well, and, and, and did, you know, there was one speech I remember working over and over with him, but actually I enjoyed it. That, that was the thing. It's just such wonderful work. It's just such a wonderful part. And in fact, it was one, and there have been a number of things that have taught, taught me uh, to be better, or, or at least how I should be better as, as an actor. <laughs> Uh, and this was one of the occasions because actually I needed to do less. I needed not to worry about accent or um, and and just to be in the game as you know in yeah. character and just playing with with the others. Unfortunately, it's a really friendly group, and uh, everyone got on, and we had a, a whale of a time. And that that helps enormously for for a, a role like that. And as a, a theatre group, do you have lots of members? that aren't a fan of improv because i find often with actors that there are some actors that just don't like the idea of improv yeah i, I know what you mean and i think if i i live in Ormskirt, which is a far smaller town than liverpool sort of traditional market town and had i perhaps started off living here and, and joining a, a local theatre group or in many small towns across the country that they're really strong, much stronger than they can be in cities. Yeah. And, and they often have their own base, their own hall where they meet and play and their ways of doing things. And uh, from many accounts, I've heard they're far more set in their ways <laughs> and can very much be script-based and um, scene-based and, you know, they have... To, Everybody has to do their role, whether it's selling raffle tickets or, or making a set, yeah. which is marvellous. And we're often jealous of, of groups that, that have those facilities and have those people because we've almost never got anyone who's any good at making <laughs> props. Um, so we tend to do minimalist things. Um, we've never got our own set venue, so we either have to pay or find an open yeah. space. Um, and with the workshops we do, that... Uh, that is a bit different, and uh, we, they're not mostly script-based, though uh, there's a great variety of them. Yeah. Uh, so there is a fair amount of improv, but what some people think of as improv is often devising, right. which is where you plan something, you, you, you know, you, you try something out, you're given a, a scenario to play and maybe some characteristics to have or something about status, but the, you're then left together, well, for the last... 18 months nearly it's been on zoom and we're mm -hmm. we're in breakout rooms but normally you'd just be in little groups yeah. in part of a space uh and you work something up and actually i prefer just somebody snapping their fingers and going from there just getting straight into role uh, yeah straight into it it's more real but a lot of people do like the comfort zone of of, of building their own structure even if it's just for something very informal it's only going to last three minutes yeah uh, and I have problems with that because actually it can become a bit undisciplined. Like, where do you, you know, where do you begin and end it? Um, how do you signal to people you're in role or changing role? And occasionally with, um, particularly with, with less experienced people, I suppose, it can turn into what I remember from the school playground, you know, <laughs> kids ordering each other, you be this and you do yeah. that. Not such a big fan of of that, although devising as a way of of writing a script has got an honourable place in theatre. Yeah, and that thing that you mentioned there just can't happen in improv because you're doing it. There is no chance for anyone to sort of take over and say, "Right, you do this, you do that," because boom, it's happening. Everyone just has to act. It just has to happen. That that's that's what I love, uh, uh, and I lo love the the pressure of that moment, and uh, and for that, I think it helps 
not not to not to know, not to have too much back backstories of the people you're working with, because you just know them as as flexible people who can who can act a role with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, just with uh, improv and LCI in particular now, I've encountered you lots online during the, the pandemic period. Uh, were you doing LCI sessions in person before that? I don't think I ever went to any of Emma's drop-ins. I, I think it, it might be last week or the week before, I went to one of the sessions at, at the Fly in the Loaf ah, cool. as I'm on holiday, and I, it might actually have been the first individual session I, i've been to with her although i'd done a couple of courses right um partly because of well it's because of other commitments really because <laughs> i'm always multi multifaceted and i'm a network theater on a tuesday is fairly sacrosanct so anything that clashes with that and by extension anything that's on a monday and a wednesday can be awkward if i need to do uh, something something yeah. else in the evening uh so i committed myself to a couple of the courses and I think I was satisfied with having made six out of eight if it was a yeah an eight slot uh, course and were the courses that you did were they short form or were they long form I did um did a long form one I'm trying to remember if I did a short form one first because I know there are various techniques with names which I remember when she says them <laughs> um, <laughs> And on on Zoom, on all the, the online versions, I think that's been minimised a bit. You, you just, you can kind of see what you're doing because if it's you and I doing an improv, everyone else switches their camera off and, uh, yeah. you know, we can just see each other and go for it. And if it's, if it's somebody else has got to come in, then at a given moment they switch the camera on and come in and it's a bit self-evident. But... Uh, <laughs> there is a discipline of standing in a line and knowing where to be and standing in another, I might need to get back in again. And, and there are names for some of the, the techniques, the interventions that I've already forgotten. <laughs> um, so I was a little bit behind on that. Um, and uh, could probably do with uh, a bit of, of training again, because I, I can see, you know, when you see improv shows, how, having the background discipline uh, yeah. and knowing the routine helps a lot. Something you said there about the names, knowing the names of things. One thing I've discovered is there's lots of things in improv that are known as different names, depending on the group. Cause I've done lots yeah. of different sessions from people all over the world and people have said, Oh, we're going to do this now. And I'm like, what on earth they're talking about? And then I see it happen. I'm like, Oh, I know that, but I know that as, something else and so that happens a lot yeah 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 um, if, if you gave me a quiz without giving me multi-choice and asked me first names of things i'd, I'd fail totally <laughs> so with improvising online that that's gone really well how has yeah. the sessions online with your drama group been has it been a massive change the things have you had to change your acting style to make it suit online more um a little bit it, lots lots of things work online or with goodwill you can give them a go uh, uh obviously the 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 slight pauses and different qualities of, of sound and, and vision that people are having yeah uh, and different devices that they're on can be a bit frustrating and some people are less confident with their technology than yeah. others or have ways of doing things because we're you know we're all ages and all types but as pretty much as is improv um and a range of levels of experience and expectation what what i've really noticed is that when with our weekly workshops over over the 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 years you would have your regulars and your occasionals and your yeah. people who turn up for a bit and, and seem to dominate the scene and then disappear. <laughs> uh, and loads of people who move on. I don't think there's a theatre group in Liverpool that doesn't have someone involved who, who was ex-network. Um, and people find their own niches and some people yeah. want to go into writing and some into directing and, and some just to have their own company or whatever, or some are doing a lot of things alongside it. 
we would never have the same group twice. There would literally never have been an occasion, I think, when, if we're talking about more than 10 people turning up, uh, you have one Tuesday, you have the same 10 as the next Tuesday. There'd always be turnover and there'd nearly always be somebody brand new or almost new. Uh, There'd be a few people who are been regulars for a while there'd be a few like like myself who seem to have been there forever as far as the others are concerned and uh, very often there'd be someone who we haven't seen for ages who just popped up again and that's a great thing about it online on zoom it's become more of well that the, there's a there's a loyal cluster probably about 20 people wow. who turned up quite a bit we've never actually had 20 we probably more than 12 is right. is quite a lot, and often it's nine or 10. Um, but yeah, we generally have sort of between nine and 13, and there is a core who come in every week online. It's much more of a consistent pattern. Hopefully, we'll shortly be able to uh, find a space and operate again as we yeah. used to, but we need to find a, a space for a time for doing some online things as well because nobody actually wants to lose it completely and can be more convenient so it'll be interesting to see because actually we've got about three thousand members on facebook wow even though we try to filter them and make sure that anyone who applies to join the group is genuinely in the liverpool area and interested in theater because yeah. loads of people just want to join something to advertise their stuff um if, if, but even if all the people who'd ever turned up to a network workshop, let's say over a period of a year, came on the same day, we, we'd have to have a, the Adelphi Hotel or somewhere. <laughs> so who's had to be in charge of coordinating it all to get it up and running online? Well, we have a small committee within which we have uh, the wonderful Julie Hills, who for quite some time has been the workshop coordinator. It was the job that people took on for maybe six months in the past <laughs> um she stuck with it for longer um it's just making sure that we have a somebody running it each each week and and that uh, there's a little bit of a note about what it's going to be posted we generally use uh, facebook as i've mentioned um and but though we are are on other i think it's also duplicated on instagram for example maybe Twitter. I don't do those things. Um, And uh, yeah, every week it's mentioned, maybe a couple of days notice what the details are going to be and uh, the links posted. Cool. And so far touch wood, we don't think we've had any, anybody who in a serious way has joined in inappropriately. I, some stranger coming in for not the right reason or thinking it was something else. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't seem to have happened. Well, that's good. Uh, so I want to move on and talk about your choir now. You mentioned you're in a political choir. Can you explain what a political choir yeah. is? The Liverpool Socialist Singers. Um, just quite interesting um, because I, I've always avoided IST words. And, you know, in terms of a definition, uh-huh. and I'm, you know, I, I, I had the time it, it was, I saw an email that said that we're thinking of having a, starting up a political choir, um, was quite good for me. I think I was coming to the end of my time working. I'd worked for 11 years for Friends of the Earth. Right. As a, I was the Northwest coordinator. So, uh, I suppose if I was an ist, I was an environmentalist, hmm. uh, though I don't come from a scientist's background uh, specifically, I, but I certainly come from a human rights, justice and peace background. Um, and I thought, I thought, and I'd done another sort of human rights activist job before that, so it was the best part of two decades. I'd actually been in the very fortunate position of being paid to, to work in, in that field, coordinating groups and leading on or supporting campaigns. And I thought, 
actually singing would be great. It would help my acting, would help my voice, and I enjoy doing it anyway. And yeah. maybe I could become better at it because I would never describe myself as a performance singer. Um, and the choir would also have the advantage of getting me to various demos and activities and conferences and, and, and things that uh, uh, would kind of keep my uh, social interests alive and, and make me feel I could be useful. Awesome. So w what kind of songs is it that you sing? Do you have to sing specially worded songs to be a political choir? Yeah, a lot of our songs are um, new words put to well-known tunes okay. and a lot of them are very funny. We've got one of my favourites is... Um, you know the Top Cat theme? Yes. Uh, from the old Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Uh, and we've got one called Fat Cat. Okay. And it's particularly fun for me because I, I sing bass in the choir um, and uh, we just go, fat cat, fat cat, fat cat, fat cat. It's just, <laughs> just really fun uh, with all the higher voices coming in on top. Um so there's plenty of humour in it, which which you need if you're doing. I mean, we're obviously campaigning or, or supporting campaigns and picket lines and things on on very serious issues. But the best way to do it is is to have a bit of fun. Yeah. So who Most actually, amazing experience. Sorry. So who actually does the the rewording of things? Um, various members of, of the group. I mean, some of them have come to us. Um, from from other right. choirs, okay, um, and and there are there are old standards among sort of leftist singers like the Internationale, of course, and Bella Ciao, and, um, Bandiera Rossa. There is like Italian songs from the Spanish Civil War, if I remember rightly, um, and we and we've had various guests, guest musical directors or session leaders who've taught us this. Francisco Barrera is kind of well known on the music scene in Liverpool is Chilean who has told us some Latin American cool. solidarity songs. Um, yeah, quite quite a range of of topics from um, Irish history to uh, fracking <laughs> uh, to nuclear weapons, a whole wow. lot. And we have a musical director who's just really good. Is kind of in, into uh, the politics, and it, it's not heavy politics, or I wouldn't be there at the, at the beginning. I, I used to try and avoid the meetings part and just go for <laughs> the singing, right? But, uh, uh, because I uh, I sympathise with the sentiments of, of all the songs we do, and then the groups that that we support, but uh, and not always the keenest to get into the semantics of yeah. how the world is going to be changed. <laughs> <laughs> and as a choir, is it the sort of choir where you need to be able to read music or is it the sort of choir where you can just come along and learn just from listening to your part? The second, uh, there's no audition. So um, kind of willingness and, and, and commitment is, is uh is what's wanted so and that's an amazing thing about a choir because you uh, we've got some good voices and we've got i, I describe myself as an okay voice uh good within a limited range of songs and, and right. manage on the direction for the others um and i think there are some who let's say are not you wouldn't perhaps listen to them singing on their own but that that's true with Probably most of us actually, uh, it's the ultimate in the, the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah, yeah. Because choral singing is so impressive, even if it's it's not pure. Uh, and if you've got somebody pulling it together, um, it's it's invigorating. Yeah, I really enjoy listening to like a really good choir with lots of parts just all complementing each other. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some great songs because popular tunes don't become popular tunes for no reason. So if you're basically adapting them um, and changing the words, first it's fun, 
second, you know that the tune's listenable. Yeah. And thirdly, yeah, you get the chance under a musical director who obviously can read music and, and organise voices to um, um, to do something different with them. And have you ever tried musical improv? Um, I was going to say not seriously, but what kind of an answer is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'm d no, only one of my little tricks and one or two other people's occasionally running a workshop is, you know, right, you're going to do the scene and you're going to do it on team ways. And, oh, yeah. Um, okay, you're going to do it. You're going to do it as an old Western. You know, you're going to do it like Friends and uh, you're <laughs> going to do it as a, as a three-minute musical, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And let's just get back to improv for a second. I just want to ask you, do you have any favourite improv games? Um, quite like that one, actually. Yeah. Um, the uh, improv games that... I like tend to you know, the ones that I naturally relate to are the ones that involve wordplay. Okay. Um, anything uh, or quick thinking because I'm quite good with letters and words. So that where you um, have to tell a story and uh, each sentence needs to begin with the next next letter of the oh, alphabet, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, I, I I I enjoy that uh, or one word story that type of game. Awesome. I like to throw in adverbs as often as possible. <laughs> and what what would you say improv means to you? Um, it's the fun of going for it uh, and being being supported in that. It's a, the but the 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 yes and is 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 a big theme, isn't it? In yeah. in improv, you you accept everything as a gift, and and you just build on it. So I, I like the I think the, the quick thinking that's involved, yeah. uh, and the way that without planning anything, you find yourself in a particular character in a particular mood, and uh, you just become somebody, which may be a different version of yourself, but. Uh, and you do so within a disciplined structure because you have got, you know, you have either got to include these three words or you have got to get from, you know, from a forest to a desert or, you know, or you, you know, you've got to put across a particular relationship. Yeah. Uh, there's always a discipline to it. And that, that's, that's what I and actually within discipline comes freedom. Would say that, wouldn't I, sir? As a teacher <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've i've had some chats and some recent uh, podcast episodes about improv and the fact that there are still so many people out there that think it's scripted they think it, it's made up you know they hear that people go and they rehearse so they think oh they're rehearsing that they're putting the their set together but they just don't realize that like rehearsing improv is literally just practicing the skills of improv and everything that is done is always just yeah. off the cuff. Yes, exactly. And and having and 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 skills techniques, they're there to give you the confidence that you can do it. Yeah. And and with com confidence is absolutely everything. Because acting, performing is the ultimate confidence trick, isn't it? Yeah. Um. In fact, if I'm in a theatre, you'll I, I do a, a Charles Dickens show, uh, a one man thing. And uh, it's only based on people believing for for that period of time that I am Charles Dickens talking about my own writing <laughs> and reading from my own work, which everybody clearly knows I'm not. Yeah. Uh, and there are a million obvious clues to that. Like Charles Dickens died in 1870. <laughs> Great yeah. fun with kids, by the way. I, I, school dinner with some 12 year olds and there was a secondary school that used to invite me every year and uh <laughs> they were trying to work so when were you born and they're trying to work out now. <laughs> uh, i'm not saying anything about their maths but they're trying to work out was could i really be this writer <laughs> 
And I think, yeah, you've mentioned that improv it really does help with with confidence, particularly as a performer, but just I think in in life in general. And also, it's it's really been apparent during the last eighteen months or so that it it helps with health and well being. Yeah. Yes. It, it it's it just give, gives you people to to play with, and you know we we, we need play as i'm sure many other people have said uh we never actually lose the urge to play no yeah. matter how ancient we get and we can do it with to just to do it within a structure where other people are going for it and the structure is applied very lightly and if you can make people laugh at the same time what's better yeah definitely and i think I think I've I've been a teacher working in schools for quite a long time now, and something I find about teachers is uh, I've worked with lots of teachers that don't like to put themselves out there in a situation that might show them up for not being good at something. So if you've got like a sporty teacher, mm-hmm. they'll go out and they'll do all all the sports, but they'll never attempt to sing a song in front of their class, and and vice versa. Yeah. And I found a lot of teachers just aren't comfortable putting themselves in a situation where they might not look good at something. Whereas I've always yeah. had a very different mindset and I've been like, well, if they see me trying and failing, then that's a great experience for them. Yes. Uh, I used to think when, when I taught full time in primary school that I was probably, my best subject might actually be science, which, which uh, uh, I was the least confident because I, I would just about know what I was covering with 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 the kids, yeah. and uh, some of them might not still can happen. Come up with something I I hadn't thought of, but you do remind me of um, once we in a primary school I was working in. It was decided the teachers were going to lead an assembly. You know how a, a class in a yeah. primary school back <laughs> in the days when there were assemblies when everyone could pile into the hall together. Yeah. One day might happen again. Um, each class would take it in turns to perform something yeah. in assembly. Well, it was decided, don't ask me by whom, that the staff, the teaching staff, were going to perform for the kids and we were going to do the hungry caterpillar, was it the very hungry caterpillar, oh, yeah. that story. <laughs> and um, we all had to dress up as one of the characters and, and say a bit. And some of the teachers were genuinely terrified of this. Yeah. They didn't mind making the costumes you know and dressing I was, I was the chocolate cake and I just had a big box and some sort of chocolate covered ribbon round it to look like the cream um and some of them were far better costumes than, than I could do but they got very nervous about the idea of performing in front of the children I said yeah. I go it was a semi-open plan school so there weren't actually doors to the classrooms <laughs> and you know if you walk round, you could see all those teachers, as you know, it takes a lot of energy performing yeah. in front of their kids because you don't just, as a teacher, it's a performance. It is you, yeah. but it's you plus, isn't it? You, yeah, yeah. you go in and, and, and you perform, and, and uh, there is a great link with comedy because you are the best comedy, I think, because you're serious a lot of the time, and then you just slip into a bit of humour. Yeah. And the kids absolutely <laughs> get it and love it, and you feel good about it because... Uh, it's it's a great way of keeping a good atmosphere or restoring a good atmosphere in a situation while keeping control. Uh, perhaps that's what we like, <laughs> actually doing doing comedy yeah, in perhaps. general. Uh, but it was really interesting. I thought, to me, it's just a natural thing to be a, an actor and be a teacher. And I went to some courses with the Anna Share Children's Theatre, uh, and... That was a great experience too. And the kids who I was teaching in the East End of London, so perhaps not surprisingly, were top-rate actors just by being natural. Yeah. But a lot of the teachers just didn't get the fact that they were performing. And in many ways, we perform roles. Everybody in life performs roles according to what we're doing at the time. Yeah, definitely. And I think improv, particularly in teaching, what I love about teaching sometimes is yes you, you put all this effort into planning and you've worked with your department and right this is what we're going to do then we'll do this then we'll do that but then someone says something like a child says something or something happens in a lesson and you think in an instant oh that is going to be far more worthwhile 
yeah. than than what we planned. So yeah, let's just yeah. make it up. I got nothing to go with it, but we're just gonna roll with this, and that that's what's gonna lead our lesson today. And just I think you know if you do improv, you're more open to such moments of saying yes doesn't matter that i've planned nothing to do for this that is more interesting than what we were going to do we're going to learn something from that let's just do it and have fun yes you're going with the energy of the moment and yeah. taking people with you and and that that redoubles itself that, that gives gives everyone more energy yeah and i think children they pick up on those sorts of things and they think oh yeah like this this teacher really has our best interest at heart. He's, he's not just sticking to the paper. He's actually picking up on what we're interested in and, he, and he's giving us what we want. Motivation, I think, is must be 80% of everything. And, you know, if you're motivated, you can kind of feel, yeah, there's an energy, you know, we're having fun together doing yeah. this. You forget that, you know, it's learning or you forget that it's, uh, you know, it's just a nonsense devised game <laughs> that we're laughing at. It's just in the moment. This, this is great because we are, we evolved to be social beings. Yeah. And, and that actually means growing f through each other's energy. Awesome. And that is a perfect place to finish. But just before we do finish, would you like to advertise anything, your choir, your, your theatre group, or yourself as an improviser? Um, hesitate here, because do I want a lot more work or not? Because I, I have a the Charles Dickens thing. I've been wondering whether that's, that's going to just not happen. <laughs> I did one online one, which is Christmas. It's more popular at Christmas. So roughly in, in winter, let's say, um, when I can grow the beard, I'm quite happy to perform and I've got a, you can find me on YouTube or um, a website called adatewithdickens.org. Okay. Adatewithdickens.org. Adatewithdickens.org as a little glimpse of, of what it's like. Um, hope to, one, I might update that if I start getting a lot of new interest because <laughs> that's great fun in Dickens, particularly at Christmas. Uh, Liverpool Network Theatre Group, Liverpool Network Theatre, you can find on, on Facebook is the best, but I think you can find it on Instagram and possibly Twitter as well. Okay. Uh, if people want to join in our workshops currently online, but hopefully not for too much longer, though we will do some online stuff. And uh, obviously I'm going to rec recommend the comedy improv as well. Liverpool socialist singers are always looking for more people who don't need to be trained singers, uh, <laughs> who uh, feel that there's something uh, not right about the, the way the world and the country and various organisations are, are governed and, um, and enjoy singing. Well, there we go. Superb. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Can't believe that that's uh, gone so fast. Yeah, it's flown by, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, you take care. And you, good luck to everyone. Well, thank you so much to Frank. That was a really lovely chat. And once again, we're just finding out that people in the LCI community, they've lived such varied and interesting lives. And I think that's what I really love about this show. We live in a, a society that is so obsessed with finding out everything about the lives of celebrities. And I'm, I'm doing the inverted commas with my fingers there, just so you can paint a bit of a picture in your head of what I'm saying when I say the word celebrities. Lots of people that are in the public eye, most of them for, for reality TV shows, uh, which means that they're generally doing very little to get notoriety yet because they're a name that we know we are interested in their lives and we want to know all about them and I've always believed that just ordinary everyday people like the people I'm interviewing on this podcast and the people that are listening to this podcast and just people that I encounter in my everyday life it's, it's ordinary people that have the most interesting stories to tell and just listening to Frank's story unfold there, you can tell, yeah, this is someone that's lived an interesting life. 
and has, has done a lot, experienced so much, and that's why I love this show because we get to find out really interesting stories about the people in the LCA community, but just people, everyday people, just living their lives and not not getting to tell their stories to to a larger audience and that's that's what we want to create here just an opportunity to dig deep so thank you very much to frank i really enjoyed that chat often when i do these podcasts obviously we record the interview but then there is often a bit of chat before the podcast goes recording live and there's chat afterwards and frank was one of those people that i just really enjoy chatting to during the podcast but also before and after and i find that so often when i when i do these interviews and just what a great position for me to just get to know these people better and hear some really really great stories so thank you very much frank it was a true pleasure to have you on the show now if you are interested in getting into improv or already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram we are at Live Comedy Improv. We also have a Facebook page, so do check us out. Just search on Facebook for Liverpool Comedy Improvcast and you'll find everything about the show that you could possibly need there if you are a member of the lci community and you would like to be a guest on the show then please get in touch with me or with emma bird and we'll make the arrangements as soon as possible don't think that you don't have an interesting story to tell because you do have an interesting story to tell you've made it however far you've made it in life and you have achieved a lot along the way and that's what we want to hear about just your story that led you to improv and anything else that uh, crops up it's always really interesting to listen to don't forget that lci is very much back in the real world in person so check out the website to find out exactly what's going down when it's going down i'm recording this towards the end of my summer holidays but you're going to be hearing it uh, probably quite a few weeks after i've actually recorded it so i don't want to be too specific with what i'm saying in terms of what classes are available so do just check out the Facebook page or the website and you'll find out how you can get involved in LCI sessions, whether that's in person or online. Don't forget, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate the show, leave us a really positive review. Anything like that you can do will really help to boost the show and get our name out there. I myself am on all the social media that you would expect, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You can search for me at Ian Luke Jones on all of those things and you can connect with me on there whether you want to be interviewed for the show or you just want to see what I'm up to as an improviser or just in life. Check out my YouTube channel. I always try and channel people towards my channel just because uh, I'm putting content on my channel all the time and I'd really love to share it with you. So if you can go over and subscribe to my YouTube channel, that'll put a big smile on my face. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. But before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv. And yes, and... <laughs>